series this morning called Fruitful Living, and we're going to finish it up today. Uh, I've been kind of excited about this series uh, that we've been in. It's teaching uh, that, that God has had for us, and um, I hope you're getting something out of this uh, series. I look forward to, uh, always look forward to what God has coming up, you know, and uh, but this particular series, I really uh, couldn't wait to get to the next message in this series. Because it kept me so much as I've done studies uh, about this fruitful living and, and uh, bearing fruit that Jesus wants us to do. How many know that life is not just about work and uh, not just about uh, going to church telling somebody? Uh, life is about bearing fruit. It, life is not just about getting saved, Christian. Come on. Life is not just about responding to an altar call. And shedding uh, some tears and saying, "Lord, uh, I give my life to you." And that's 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 not the end. That's not what life is about. Life is about going on and, and bearing fruit. Now, I don't want to be sacrilegious this morning, and I don't want you to shut me down or throw anything at me this morning. But I want to tell you that the cross was just a catalyst. Come on, as important as it was, I mean, who here would want to die on the cross the way Jesus did? Most of us. Amen. And so we, uh, we are definitely thankful for the work that Jesus died, that did on the cross and the blood that he shed. But I want to tell you that it was just a catalyst. Jesus knew that going to the cross, that this was the beginning of something new, a beginning of a new dispensation. Uh, it wasn't the end. Uh, of course, the enemy is defeated, but the enemy is defeated for a purpose, for us to go on unto full stature. I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. There's some more living to do, folks. Come on. There's some more living to do. And so, we're going to finish this series up this morning on fruitful living. You have your Bibles turned to John 15. I want you to go back to John 15. John 15. Here we go. We're finishing up our series on fruitful living this morning with a message entitled, Fruitful Living. Fruitful Living. This message on fruitfulness was reminded that the fruitful life is made possible by, we talked about it in the first message, first of all, you have to have some connection to Christ. There has to be a connection there. If you have not accepted the Lord as your personal Savior, if you have not welcomed Him into your life and not only just uttered some words, but made Him Lord, come on. But the difference in responding to an altar call and saying, uh, yes, I believe you died on the cross, or on the cross, and saying, Christ, you are the Lord. Do you know that when you pray, and you end your prayers in Jesus' name, what you're really saying is, however you want to do it, Lord, I turn it all over to you in Jesus' name. I lay it at your altar. And so there has to be a connection there if this fruitful living is going to work. I mean, the, the branch has to be connected to the vine. It can't be piled on. It can't be poked on with some scotch tape. Come on. It can't be roped on a little bit. You can't use a staple gun. But it's got to be embedded in the vine to actually be able to get power from the vine. you got to be connected to the vine. You must be filled with your spirit. I mean, there are those who go to church and what I call do church. We go to church and we check it off our list because 
we went to church that Sunday and uh, we felt good. Some people sang some songs. Maybe we heard a good word. We saw some people that we know had good fellowship and uh, we did church. But how many know that that's not the connection that Christ wants? Come on. That's not the connection that he wants. That's a means to an end. And so when we come here to fellowship together, Christ wants a relationship with you. Come on. He wants a relationship. And so the secret to fruitfulness, as I said the first week, is not a, really a secret, but the thing about it is you've got to be connected in. You have to be connected in. And then the next week, we talked about hiding in Christ. He abides in you, and you abide in him. These are the people that he is with them everywhere that they go. Come on. Uh, it's not just Sunday morning church. It's not just uh, when I come on Wednesday or when I'm listening to a college class or when I hear my favorite song in the car. But it's all the time. It's when I'm in the market. It's when folks are getting on my nerves. It's when the kids are getting on my nerves. It's when my spouse is getting on my nerves. It's when I'm not doing so well at the job. I'm still abiding in Christ. He's abiding in me, and I'm abiding in Him talking about when we talk about having a fruitful you can't go on into full stature unless Christ abides with you and you abide in Him, His Word, at all times. We're talking about something a little higher this morning, amen? And uh, you have to present me this morning, I didn't ease into it, uh, because we've been doing it for a number of weeks now. So maybe those of you that are here for the first time say, man, he's not easing into it, he's just talking about we got to abide in Christ, but, you know, we've been talking about this, and this is what Christ, listen, God knows what's best for you. He knows your best life, He knows your happiest life, come on. He knows all those things, and so why would we not run to Him knowing that we're close in the arms of Jesus? Why would we try the thing on our own? Why would we separate from Christ knowing that He is our strong tower, knowing that in the presence of the Lord there is there are pleasures evermore, knowing that if God is with us, who can be against us? Knowing that He has made us already. He's not making you. He's made us the head and not the tail. You are already above and never again. God's already done for you. We just need to walk in it. Why would we turn our back and go somewhere else? God wants us to abide in Him. And then we talked a little bit about the pruning process. Oh, come on now. Woo, I didn't want to talk about that one. That was the one I wasn't looking forward to. Because how many say, I just can't wait to be pruned? Lord, come on, Jesus. Take your scissors, take your pruning shears, and cut me up. Come on. Nobody wants to be pruned. <laughs> but if you realize that you'll bear more fruit through the pruning process, that's where God cuts away those He cuts away those things that don't produce bad things. Now watch this. And good things. Because every good thing is not a God thing. Come on now. But Lord, this is good. I'm doing a good this is a good thing I'm doing in my life. It's very good to say, yeah, it's a good thing. I agree with you. I don't disagree that it's not a good thing. It's just not my thing. I didn't tell you to do it. I'm not going to give you a crown for it. I won't give you any kudos. I'm going to tell you to do it. You want to be holy? Let's be holy. Let's dress holy and we need to talk. So you want to be holy? Do what the Holy Spirit tells you to do. That's how you become holy. 
do what the Lord says do. Come on, somebody. Just be obedient. You want to have great faith? Be obedient to the Lord. Come on. You want to go further? You want to produce fruit? Be obedient. That's how you become holy. Do exactly what God says. And now, watch this. Not only do what He says, come on, come on, but do it when He says to do it. <laughs> come on. Not only what He says, but when He says do it. That's the fullness of obedience. And that's how you produce fruit. That's how you live an abundant life. So we talked about the kingdom process. John chapter 15, I just want to read down through there. This is our last week uh, in this fruitful living. And so I'm just going to read down through this chapter, John 15, 1, down through uh, 17. I'm reading from the New King James Version of the Bible. If you have a different version, don't worry, we'll end up at the same place together. Amen. And so the Bible says, Jesus speaking uh, to the believers, he said, I am the true vine. And my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away every branch that bears fruit. Uh, he just said, that's so great, I'm just going to give you more stuff. Don't even worry about it. I'll just leave you alone. I'll turn my back and leave you alone if you bear fruit. That's not what he said. He said, every branch that bears fruit, he pruned. He doesn't cut off the branch, but he cuts off those good things that you might bear more fruit. He says, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Already clean. Notice some of the words that Jesus is saying in here. Start to love you. You already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. That's like it. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse 5, in the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. Now, this is a, this is a heavy verse of Scripture. I don't have time to deal with just that right now. But listen, if you're connected to the branch and you're just not bearing fruit, come on, or you're bearing little fruit, God says that's okay. You're connected in. Don't worry about it because I'm going to prove you. I'm going I'm to help you with your life. And I'm going to help you to get rid of those things that are not bearing fruit, those good and bad, those things that are sucking, those things that suck the life out of you. Come on, you're doing good work. For somebody, and uh, they're just sucking the life out of you. I, I'll show you. I, I'll come in and I'll, I'll begin to prune those things. Maybe it's relationships. Maybe it's attitudes. Come on. I'll begin to prune those things out of you, and you'll bear more fruit. But watch this now. If you're not connected at all, you could be playing church now. If you're not connected, you didn't try to prune those branches. You said, I'll get rid of them and throw them into the fire. Think about that for a minute. Verse 8, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. Somebody say, much fruit. So you will be my disciples. As the Father loves me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy 
may be full. Verse 20, this is my commandment, that you love one another, he doesn't stop right there, all commandments, as I have loved you. And because greater love is no one than this, than lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Verse 15, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and do what? Bear fruit, and that your fruit should that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you these things I command you, that you love one another. He said, I have chosen you, I have appointed you to go and bear fruit to produce. Come on. I have appointed you to produce, and that what you produce remains. So that from there, what you're a producer, come on, whatever you ask, the Father in my name, He will do for you. So many of us Christians skip past that calling or right to whatever I ask of the Father, He'll do for me. Long I ask in Jesus' name. God loves a producer. Why do you think He gave us the parable of the talents? He loves those who produce. Come on. He wants us to produce. He wants us to produce. And so we want to be a fruitful person. We want to be a person who has fruitful living. There are four essential levels of fruitful living. The first one I call the some fruit people. Now, some fruit is okay. If you're at that place in your life where you're bearing some fruit, it's okay. This is what I call the Luke 3 people. Luke 3 and 8, it talks about, therefore, bear fruit worthy of repentance. Now, these are the people who have said, I'm going to make a change in my life. I'm going to bear fruit that's worthy of repentance. You know, I've not been uh, the best father in the world. I haven't been the best husband. I'm going to change that around. I'm stop treating my wife uh, like a cheater. I'm going to stop, you know, criticizing her and really just, uh, you know, I'm going to enjoy her. You know, I'm going to enjoy my children. I'm going to encourage them. Uh, even when something goes wrong, I'm not going to have a bad attitude. Who's worthy of repentance? Maybe it's uh, maybe it is an attitude that you have at work. Every time you go in, you got a critical spirit. You say, "Listen, I want to bear some fruit worthy of repentance, Lord. I am going to change from going this way to turn and go this way." Who's worthy of repentance? If, that, if that's where you are in your life, you're in a good place. God can use that. God loves the person whose whose heart is toward Him. And they say, listen, in my heart, I know I'm not the best person in the world, but I don't want to be like that anymore, Lord. I don't know how to do it. Change me. Turn me. Make me. Help me to go deeper in you. I don't want to be that same way. I want to bear some fruit worthy of repentance. And God will say, yes, wonderful. Come on. I can deal with that. I can deal with that. And then you have the more fruit people. These people are those who are fruitful in every good work. I call these the Colossians 1, 9, and 10 people. That verse of Scripture says, For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not seek to pray for you and ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of your will and all wisdom, spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every 
good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. That means that you're a person, you may go around, you may feel like, man, it just seems like, you know, when it comes to this thing, uh, you know, God is just really blessing me. You know, I mean, I, 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 I meet with uh, people and, you know, they speak that way. Oh, my God, I'm being blessed. This is the, the more fruit people. You know, you find it maybe not in every situation, but a lot of areas in your life you begin to bear fruit. And you say, Lord, okay, Lord. I mean, things are not perfect, uh, but I get it now. I got a revelation of this thing. Every area of my life I need to acknowledge you. I've heard people for years uh, talk about Proverbs, uh, teaching the Lord and leading up to your own understanding. I've heard preach on it. I've heard them, uh, you know, uh, yell and scream about it. I've heard people say all kinds of But now I have a revelation of it. Yeah, Lord, I get it. Trust me in everything that I do. Good, bad, indifferent, whatever it is. I trust the Lord. I acknowledge Him in all that I do. And now I just begin to bear fruit. I bear fruit in every good work. And then you have the must-fruit people. This is what we strive for, to be the must-fruit people. These are the Galatians 5, verse 22 people. Filled with the Spirit of God. Filled with the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. These are the people that begin to bear fruit in these areas of their life. They have more love. Come on. They begin to bear fruit in love. And what it means is it's not causing others to love. Loving kindness, long-suffering, faithfulness. Because they are faithful, others see that, and others become faithful. You're bearing fruit in your life. You're a mercy person. You're, you're the example now. Where others look at you and see these areas of your life, you're that kindness. You know, I'm a person who, uh, you know, I didn't smile, or not you, but uh, you may say I'm a person who didn't smile a lot. So, and, uh, you know, when, when people saw me, I mean, I wasn't mad at them, but I just, why well, I have to smile all the time? I don't see any reason just to be happy all the time, you know. And now all of a sudden they see you and you, you smile at everything. You know, and you're just a kind person. You're kind to everyone. You're encouraging. And that, and that actually encourages them. But, man, I, you know, I, I, really, uh, I really need to be that way. I need to be that way. So you're a much fruit person. And, and finally, you get to the remaining fruit people. These are the reproducers. Fruit that is reproduced in others, but it remains. It's not just a, a, a one-time impact on their life. But these are the people that are interested in people. Remember I said church is not about the church service or the church building. Church and the life uh, lived of Christ is about others. It's about people. That's what this thing is about. It's just, you know, I, I said, man, it seems like church would be okay if it wasn't for the people. But church is all about the people. There's no, if there's no people, there's, there is no church. There's a building. You might call it a church. But it's not This thing is all about people. And you become interested in people, loving others more than yourself. Come on. If, if it's, you know, God gave me this revelation, and I'm still, I'm still working on it. I'm still working on the revelation. But he gave me this revelation years ago. He said, your purpose in life is to make sure that your life is still so perfect. All the things that you do in life, you can play keyboards, or you can preach, or give messages, you can go around the world, you can do all these things, you can work for this company and excel there, but your purpose in life, 
You do all that stuff and you don't fulfill your purpose. I'm not going to be happy with you, little sister. But if you fulfill that purpose and you're not accomplished in these other areas of your life, you don't become this great teacher or this great keyboard player or this great engineer or whatever it is that you think you want to do. But you made sure that you did all you could to make sure that your wife accomplishes her purpose in life. Then you get a clue. Then you get a clue. When we become interested in other people, God is interested in us. Now, don't think that you're just a doormat, that you're just going to lay down all other people that call it is, and here I am, I live in poverty. No. No, when you begin to do that, God blesses you from ways you don't even see it coming. Come on. I mean, he comes in this way, comes in the back door, you back him in the stuff. Oh, blessing. Wait a minute, blessing. Blessing everywhere. God blesses you because your heart, you're interested in others. You're interested in that remaining fruit. Now, you cannot have remaining fruit without one key element. We've said it before. You've talked about it. But it is love. In verse 9, he said, As the Father loves me, Jesus said, I also love you. And then he says, Abominate in my love. You know what that tells me? That you and I don't know how to love. I mean, we really don't. Come on, I'm not talking about you, but I'm just saying that. He says, abide in my love. I'll show you how to love. Now, yes, there are different kinds of love. In America, we just use the word love, and it depends on the context that we're in, and we hope that the other person understands the context when we say love, I love you, whatever it may be. But I love the Greek words for love because they are very specific. There's different words for love, as you well know. So, is where we get our word around. And it's okay, God made it up. Okay? But it's that physical love. It's touch. It's physical. Come on. It's, it's, a, it's a physical need. Now, of course, God made it to be in context, obviously, of marriage. But that's what it is. But listen, marriage can't be based on Eros love by itself. I mean, that's one of the problems that we're having. We talk, we, we have, when you talk about a 50% divorce rate in the world and 50% divorce rate in uh, the church, even. It's because a lot of love is based on Eros. Eric's love says, as long as you satisfy my physical needs, I love you. But if I'm not getting affection, I'm not just, I know it's children, I'm not just talking about sex, but if I'm not getting affection from you, then I don't love you anymore. That's what Eric's love says. God goes deeper. There's another love called Sorgo. That's that family kind of love. It's the affection that we have for our parents and our siblings, and it's all about family. Blood is thicker than water and you know, all of that. We have that, that sorge kind of love. There's also that filet of love. It's uh, that love, that friendship between people. It goes a little deeper than the family love, which I would do anything for my best friend. We're connected. You know, we're, we're soulmates. We're all of those things. We're really connected. It's that filet kind of love. And the love that God wants us to get to is, you know, what, what's the word? Come on, come on. Agape. Agape love. That's that kind of love that's deliberate. That's that kind of love that says, I don't care what you do, I love you and I'm going to love you. There's nothing you can do about it. There's, a, there's an old song, you guys don't know, but there's an old R&B song that says, uh, you're the only one I love and you can't change that. You can't change it. There's nothing you can do. That's what God says to us. He says, I love you, I have 
set my love upon you, God said in the psalm. I have set it upon you, and there's nothing you can do. You can run, you can talk about me, you can call me names, you can do all of those things, but you cannot change the fact that I love you. I have an agape love for you. It's deliberate. It's purposeful. Agape love is a conviction. And if we're going to have that truth that remains, we must have that agape love. Because I tell you, if you go through life and you're not practicing, come on, the agape love that Christ is talking about, you're going to be a single. You're going to break up with people. You're going to get divorced. You're going to stop calling. You're going to do all those things because you're offended. You're hurt. But the agape love says, you have turned your back on me, and I'm still going to the cross for you. Paul told the Romans, he said, when you were yet in other words, when you were in your, when you were doing dirt and didn't even know that there was a cross, you were doing dirt, didn't even know that there was a Savior who was dying on the cross for you. You didn't know who was doing it. Doing dirt. God loves you with an agape love. Agape love is deliberate. It's a choice of the will. It is also a love that requires total commitment from you. You, With an agape love, you've got to be all in. By the way, let me just tell you that any of the love that we're talking about here is not a doormat kind of love. Even agape love. Agape love can be a tough love. Come on. Agape love can, can, can say, look, I, I'm going to be hard on you because what you're doing right now is hurting yourself. Or what you're doing is hurting me. And you can't do that. But I still love you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to leave you like this. As many times as you say it, many times as you do it, I might get on to you. I'll give you a tough love, but I love you. Well, you know, the last thing, last guy, you know, after that happened, I said that thing, I made that mistake. He left me. But that's not what I'm going to do. It's not what I'm going to do because I have an agape love for you. It requires total commitment. Number three, an agape love gives and does not take. Oh, that's hard for us now. Come on now, I'm going to give you something. You have to give me something back now. I'm not just going to be the only giver in here. I'm not going to be the only giver. No, that's not what Christ said. He said, listen, my agape love is saying to you that I will give and I'm not interested in taking. I mean, if you want to give me something, that's fine, but that's not the reason that I'm giving to you. It's not the reason I'm giving to you. Number four, agape love seeks the best interest of others. No matter what man is like, God seeks nothing but his highest good. Never out for revenge. Agape love is uncounselable. Come on. Agape love is a love that never fails. And as I said, agape love can be a tough love. But I tell you this, Agape love is impossible without God. No God, no agape. It's unnatural. It's a product of the spirit, not of the flesh. It's impossible to, to accomplish in the natural. A person can only exercise the love that they have. And if God is not in you, if Christ is not abiding in you, and you are not abiding in Him, then you cannot, it is impossible for you to exercise the doctrine of love. Living 
life without love is totally 100% unseen. We must seek the love of Christ. Now, this kind of love is not a love that you can go out and you can't go home and say, okay, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to do this thing and it's all good. No, you can't do that. You have to seek the Lord. Lord, what would you have me do? In this presence, in this presence, is the fullness of joy. In this presence, at his right hand, there is We talk to our husband or our wife or the bank or our best friend or we get advice from this one or that one. And God is saying, I've got the answer. I've got you. Come to me. I've got you. I've got you. And so the very famous passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians 13, though I speak with the tongues of men and angels but have not love, I become sound and brass or a tongue Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all the mysteries and knowledge, though I have all faith, to remove mountains, have not love, I am nothing. And though I destroy all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profits me nothing. Nothing. Do you realize that with God, characteristics in here, I'll end with this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Love is patient. It never gives up. Time and time and time again. But it's right there. I'm not going to lose you. Love is gracious. It cares more for others than it does for itself. See if you can find yourself in any of these. Love is never jealous. That's a hard one, whether you admit it or not. I know it's one I'm still working on. Come on. Salt. What it doesn't have. Number four, love is never proud. It doesn't strut. It doesn't show itself off. It doesn't have a swell head. Come on. Love doesn't act rude. Doesn't insist on its own way. It's not a me first. As soon as I get it, then it's not me first. Love is not provoked. In other words, it's not irritable. Another one. I'm working on something with But love doesn't fly off the handle. It does not irritate it easily. Is that you? Love is not offended. In other words, it doesn't keep a record of wrong. It doesn't keep a record of wrong. And love never rejoices in evil. Love doesn't rejoice. When someone is done wrong, love doesn't rejoice. 
love rejoices in truth. A truth-seeking person rejoices in truth. And then love bears all things. Another tucking. Come on. Bears all things. It puts up with anything. Love has broad shoulders. Come on. And thick skin. Love believes all things. All, in other words, what that's saying is love looks for the best in everybody. That's really what that means. That means you're a lover and you look for the best. I'm looking for the best in everybody. Yeah, well, you don't know him. He's messed up 17 times and, uh, you know, every single time, you know, that boy messes up. But, but you never know. This time, you know, he, he might be good. We'll see. Come on, let's just encourage you. That's just the greatest testimony. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. In other words, love is looking forward. He never looks back. Because a man with his hand to the side, looking backwards, that man is Not fit for the kingdom of heaven. Doesn't mean no love from the past. Just don't keep looking backwards. I'm going to call, how long are you going to talk about that? Yes, that happened. It's last year. Come on. Let's move forward. Love endures all things. It never gives up. It keeps going until the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the greatest of all, love never fails. It keeps going to the end. We can't be a reproducer. We cannot be a person that fulfills the purpose that God has put us here for without this apostle kind of love. It's something that we need to seek for. And I'll tell you something this morning. If you're a person that says, well, I don't know about that. I just... I don't have that agape love. The good news is, God is still here because He never gives up. God believes all things. God believes in you. God hopes all things. He always looks forward. He doesn't count all the things that you've done wrong. Come on. God doesn't look at all that. God sees the best in you. 